Welcome to the Dripping in Black podcast, where we celebrate Black excellence throughout the Black diaspora. Here's your host, David V. Lewis. What's up, good people all across the world? This is the Dripping in Black podcast. I am your host, David V. Lewis. And per usual, we have another fantastic guest. Today's guest is Dr. Tizana Morgan. Tizana, say hello to the world. Hello, world. How are you? All right. And so Dr. Tizana has a fantastic story as usual, and we will get into that. But we'll start where we always do, and that's by introducing our guest, by asking a very simple question of who are they? So who is Tizana Morgan? I'm a healer, a mentor, a teacher, and a student. Okay. Healer, mentor, teacher, and student. Yes. Wow, that's quite the package. Absolutely. (laughs) Where was this healer and student and mentor born and raised? All right. Well, let's go back. All right. I was born in Germany, raised in Colorado, and then moved to Michigan. Wow. So both of my parents were in the military. Mm -hmm. So we've traveled all around the world and I blessed them in Germany. Okay. Um, Where would you say your your upbringing occurred? Is it all three of those places or did you have a place where you did most of your upbringing? Most of my upbringing was in Colorado. Okay. How is Colorado? Oh, my. You know, before it became the weed state, it was very, you know, peaceful. (laughs) (laughs) Peaceful, laid back. The air is crisp. You have the mountains. (laughs) Very beautiful there, you know. But then Mm. everybody, uh, they go there for different reasons now. Mm. It should be even more peaceful now. You would think so. Um, I flew home one year on 420 and I didn't realize what the day was. And then the <laughs> DEA stopped me on the plane and was like, do you have drugs and a whole bunch of money on you? And I looked at him and I was like, no, <laughs> I don't. And so I'll never fly to Denver on 420 again. Wow. Okay. Well, we... uh we got you on because of the fantastic career that you're leading. Uh, you work for an organization called Wings of Virtue Counseling and Research Institute. Let's talk about that. What is what is the Wings of Virtue Counseling and Research Institute? Well, it's the business that I developed over 12 years ago, and mm-hmm. we focus on healing everybody that comes into the counseling office. The biggest thing is that I do focus on African-Americans. I believe that Black people need a deeper level of healing than any other culture. So from Mm. a science perspective, there is a gene that's called a trauma gene. And when all of us are born, our trauma gene is already activated. Mm -hmm. So with me being a Black therapist, there's certain cultural things that we don't necessarily have to explain or talk about if you were with another type of therapist. Right. So usually when they see my name, they're like, she black. Um, (laughs) So with that, it's just been a high referral rate. But my biggest thing is for everybody to deal with whatever they're presenting issue. And a lot of times your presenting issue is not that. Then we work on forgiveness. And then after that, I help you walk with a new purpose. 
Yeah. And so, you know, we do a kind of a questionnaire for all of our guests. And one of the interesting things that jumps off your page is your name of Dr. Forgiveness, right? So talk about that. I have a few questions that I want to follow you up with, but talk about the Dr. Forgiveness tag that you have. Oh, my goodness. So I've studied forgiveness um, over 15 years. I think it's almost 20 years at this point. And the reason why I studied forgiveness is because every church I went to, they said, you have to forgive. Mm -hmm. But when I asked the pastors and the ministers, nobody knew how to forgive. They just kept saying, you need to let it go. And Mm -hmm. I'm a very smart person. I was like, letting it go cannot be forgiveness. So Mm -hmm. I studied all the scriptures that dealt with forgiveness. Then I started to read books that dealt with forgiveness. So I believe in killing two birds and one stone. So all of my master degree papers, I had, I used forgiveness as my research point. So whenever I go pick a topic you're interested in, I just read a whole bunch of forgiveness articles. So before I got to my doctorate program, I had already read over 200 articles and books about forgiveness. So from that, I've been talking about forgiveness for years. And then I've been dismantling what the church may say forgiveness is. And then helping everybody else walk through that. Okay. So give, give us a Cliff Notes version of forgiveness. What, what is it? All right. Forgiveness is releasing uh, yourself from the emotional bad bondage that your offender has placed on you. Mm. Okay. And so usually when we hear forgiveness, probably before we actually matriculate through a church, we always hear forgive and forget. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'm a teacher. So I get into a conversation in one of my classes about can you forgive without forgetting? Yes. What is your thoughts on that? You surely can. (laughs) I would hope that you don't forget. Right. There's a misconception that forgiveness has everything to do with reconciliation. It doesn't. I can forgive you. I can love you. And I can chuck the deuces and move on. Mm, So you can forgive and not do and forget at the same time it's possible now there's some steps you gotta go through it's like four phases of forgiveness but yeah okay yeah that's that's all dope so i want to go back a little bit so we know you uh grew up primarily in colorado we know that it's a weed state now um but what schools did you matriculate through on your way to your doctorate Oh, my goodness. So I moved to Michigan when I was 16, going on 17 or somewhere in that area. So um, I graduated high school, Benedictine High School, which is now close. Then I went to Davenport University and I have a bachelor's in medical case management. So, you know, growing up, uh, your parents say the the guaranteed money is the medical field. Mm. So I said, Roger that. We're going to get the money. (laughs) (laughs) Then I actually started my MBA at Davenport and it was extremely hard and school Mm. has never been hard for me at all. It's just been, you know, I thank God for allowing it to be as easy as it was. And I'm like, why in the world is an MBA hard? I was three classes in and then I could feel that I was in a wrong degree program. So then I went to Liberty University and I received my degree in professional counseling. And before I graduated, I started my business. Okay. And then I went to Walden University for my doctorate degree. And I hope, well, now I'm in school again, but that's where I stopped at that point. 
Okay. And so the Wings, the Wings of Virtue Counseling and Research Institute is your institute. Yep. It's my you business. created it from the ground up. Yes. Oh man. So let's talk about that. When did the idea come? Let's talk about that first. Okay. I was working at a homeless shelter for teenage mothers. Hmm. And I realized that some of the goals that they had set for these individuals um, are just homelessness within itself. There was a big thing in Michigan where they said they were going to end homelessness in five years. The only way to do that is to deal with the root issues. That was so unrealistic. We were forcing people into houses. And then you want to know what they did with those houses? They tore them up. Okay. Hmm. And I just didn't believe that I was servicing them in the correct way that they needed. But I also knew that something came naturally, like people have always come to me and just dropped their problems on me and then walked away. Mm -hmm. So I said, there got to be a business in there somehow. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm going to develop a business that is truly going to help my people get delivered from the things that nobody is talking about. Mm -hmm. So that's where the birth of Wings of Virtue came. Yeah. So uh, tell me about the name then, Wings of Virtue. I went through that time with the creation. Oh, I went through a lot of names. And mm-hmm. um, this is the only one that stuck. And then it reminded me that um, that was my line name for the sorority that I lived. That's the name that we named. Well, I'm mean, Gamma Phi Delta. Um, okay. Our line name was actually Wings of Virgin. I was like, that's why it sticks. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. there we go. Okay. All right. And then it has a, a you know, additional meaning, of course, with the Wings of Virgin. Absolutely. All right. And so also on your uh, questionnaire, you, you listed three major things about uh, counseling, supervising clinicians and conducting research. Hey. Right? Those are all things that you, you're doing. Mm-hmm. Which one is, is the most fun for you? Oh, man. Most fun. The teaching part. Okay. That is the supervising clinicians. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, I'm a teacher by nature. And then I believe that I have a specific type of counseling technique. I have to teach that to them. My caseload is ridiculously large. There's a waiting list to come see me. So, but if I can teach you, there's a whole bunch of mini Dr. Morgans out here. So then I can actually say, hey, my name is stamped on that person. Oh, okay. You, you train them. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll go see them. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love the teaching part. Yeah. So I got a, I got some major questions. Well, come on, major um, questions. Yeah. With, with Dripping in Black, you know, at the core of my mind, I'm always thinking about the youth mm-hmm. and these wonderful stories we get to share. How can we inspire the, the youth? How can we empower them through these stories? Mm-hmm. And so you're a Black woman. Okay. <laughs> you're a doctor. I am. And you started your own organization. Yes. In which you're in a field that I'm sure is not a lot of us in. Let's talk about some of the challenges you faced. The challenges I faced were not necessarily with starting the business. The challenges I faced is I used to teach higher education. I used to teach in the classroom. Mm -hmm. My major challenge is you cannot teach multicultural competence. So that little paragraph that they give you on how to counsel a black person, you cannot go out there and say, yeah, I know what this is. 
So it, it was almost offensive. And then I did not have the creative freedom. Well, I kind of did because I kind of break rules sometimes um, to teach the correct way. So I would tell my students that multicultural competence cannot be taught. It has to be experienced. And if you are unwilling to go into the hood, okay, and not be afraid, then you cannot counsel my people. Yeah. So um, I received a lot of like backlash. Like when I was at the one of the universities I was teaching at, people would touch my hair. Mm. And I had white students that refused to call me by my credentials. So usually however you introduce yourself is how somebody's supposed to respond. Yeah. But they refused to it. They they wouldn't even call me Professor Morgan. They would be like Tazonia. Mm. And I would have to tell them there's no such thing as objectivity. If you keep pronouncing my name incorrectly, I'm going to grade you really hard. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, um, I dealt with a lot of racial microaggression where um, I had students that uh, the director of the programs came to me and was like, hey, we had a meeting with your students. I said, all right, tell me about it. They said that you intimidate them. <laughs> They said, you're not rude. You're not disrespectful. That just when you walk in a room, they're intimidated. Mm-hmm. So I said, you want to know what? I'm going to do. I'm going to do you a favor. I stopped wearing makeup. I started wearing jeans. And all of a sudden, my faculty evaluations went through the roof. So I remember the provost at the time. She's no longer there. She said, well, what did you do differently? I said, I made your white students feel comfortable. That's what I did. Uh, I had students in the classrooms that I had a a white student in the classroom that told me I didn't know what I was talking about. (laughs) Now, you know, the Lord is still working on me. So what I did was I wrote my first name, my last name, and all 26 of my credentials on the board. Mm. (laughs) And his response was, I'll never talk in your class again. That's fine. So the resistance wasn't necessarily just opening the business because the business aspect that kind of it flowed i've never marketed my business everybody just kind of came to me it was when i was trying to teach in a university setting um i was stopped in every way shape or form like um, i don't know if you know with universities they have accrediting bodies and those accrediting bodies want to know what are you intentionally doing to recruit and retain diverse faculty and diverse students and I developed diversity webinars. And I remember the director at the time was like, well, you can't just offer that to the black students. You know, let's, you know, it has to be for everyone. And I said, I'm just letting you know, none of the topics are going to be white friendly. Okay. Because mm-hmm. these students of color need to know that there's somebody that's advocating for them. Yeah. I mean, I got resistance all for a very long time. And that's what made me leave the university. Yeah. Okay. So I got you. So. Uh, the various challenges that the university presented kind of pushed you towards creating your organization? No, I already had my organization. Um, I was actually doing this on the side. And then I always kept like a full-time job. You want to make sure you got the guaranteed money coming in. I don't know if you've ever billed insurances, but sometimes they don't pay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So what I did was my wings of virtue was actually just like my side hustle. And then it grew at a rate that I could not keep up with. Wow. So I had to make a decision. Mm -hmm. They stay at the university Mm -hmm. or full-time wings of virtue. Man, uh, that'll preach. Your your whole story will preach. I think there's so many 
uh, valuable lessons in there. But so you have these challenges at the university and the, the, the best response for you was to chuck up the deuces and focus on your own organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All but, right. You know, so, I'm no fool though, right? I, I took the lessons with me. Okay. I did. And I utilized those lessons at my business. Yeah. So that's going to that's gonna segue into this next question perfectly. Because how long have you been uh, with, how, how long has the organization been running? 12 years. It'll be 12 years on the 5th. Okay. All right. So February 5th, 12 years. So 12 years into the game. Mm-hmm. You can go back now with the wealth of knowledge you have in that 12 years and speak to the younger version of yourself. Mm-hmm. What's some advice you would give her? Uh, get a financial planner. <laughs> um, prepare for the overflow. I believe that when you are walking in your purpose and your calling, that you need to prepare for the overflow. I think when we start things, we think, okay, well, we'll just do this now. Now, I've always had a futuristic mindset, okay? And in that futuristic mindset, so for example, I I got my office space. And then everybody's like, well, go get used furniture. I said, that means when I can afford the expensive furniture, I'm going to have to move that out. No, that's too much work. So I've always been, I'd rather save up and then get the, what we need for longevity than just get something right now. Um, look at quality. Um, but my biggest thing is get a financial planner. Okay. Um, there are things that I didn't know when I started my business. One of them was you have to pay yourself. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. Because I was doing my own taxes. And then one year I was like, look, I've made too much money for me to start doing this all of this stuff. And she said, oh, you owe Ursula some money. I said, why? There's a penalty for not paying yourself. I said, so they don't send me a bill for not paying me? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. So those are things where you need to know what you're good at and what you're not good at, right? I can do my own finances. However, I'm not a financial planner. And if I spend all of my time dealing with the financial aspect, I'm not going to be able to do the healing aspect. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a powerful lesson. So I'm going to ask it in a different way. You're not talking to a younger version of you, but you're talking to a young lady who's thinking about traversing the same path you have. So even to the university, right? What's some advice you would give somebody that's going into the university to teach? <laughs> okay. So this is what I'm going to say. All right. <laughs> So um, less than 2% of the population have terminal degrees. Of that 2% of the population, 6% of them are people of color. Uh, I mean, 0.6 is the, are people of color. Then of that 0.6, only 0.2% are Black women. So no matter where you go, you're needed. So go in there with confidence. I have seen behind the scenes where we have to hire a black woman. We need to hire somebody of color. Where are they at? Where can we post this job where we can get black people? Um, our accrediting bodies actually told the directors of the time, like, do you want to keep her? They said, yeah. They said, he said, no, you don't. That is not how you keep her. Do you understand she can go to any university and get a job? Yeah. So understanding that you're what they want. Yeah. Gives you a different level of confidence. Now, yeah. 
The second thing I would say, learn the art of negotiation. Please learn that. Read the book. Okay, listen to the podcast. The most humbling thing, which was really why I kind of really took the deuces, well, another reason is I was the department chair of the program. So I moved all the way up. There was no other position higher than mine. And we had to hire a clinical supervisor. And that clinical supervisor, we offered her a salary. She said, no, that's not going to be my baseline. Do you know the university paid her more than me? And I was running the program. Wow. But we're just told that when they offer you the money, just take it. No, negotiate, know your worth. And that's the point of me saying those, those numbers. So, you know, they really want you. So go in there with confidence and you just send that right back and say, no, this is going to be my salary. I saw them get the money they didn't say they had to yeah. pay her. Man, that's a, that's, a powerful, that's a powerful lesson. I think it's a tough one, right? Because especially if you come from, let's say, meager beginnings, to get that job is life-changing. It is. You know, so it's not like you're um, playing with house money. You really want that job. So that might dissuade you from negotiating for your worth. Yeah. Right. So it's a valuable lesson in that for us to understand our worth and know the numbers um, and know how valuable we are. Absolutely. Um, I think that's why it's essential to have a mentor. I went in there like I had a few mentors but nobody taught me about negotiation. Yeah. All right. So I got a couple more questions. So help me out with this. Uh, Does, do people just walk into your business and get help? No, you need to call the telephone number and schedule an appointment. Uh, The reason being is because we are booked. My schedule is booked until 2023. You can walk in if you want to, like you're going to see me in passing, but you're really not going to see me. (laughs) And then when you call the telephone number, we do a brief like analysis of what's going on. So sometimes um, it'll be somebody like, look, I'm not doing good right now. I need to see somebody ASAP. That means any therapist that's available will tell you, hey, come in. So there is a protocol of scheduling an appointment. We try to get you scheduled within two weeks. um, But for me, it's not going to be like that. Yeah. Okay. And so people are coming to Wings of Virtue for mental health help. Absolutely. Mental, emotional, or just checkups. You know, every year you go to your doctor and your dentist, or you're supposed to, okay, and your eye doctor, and they'll tell you your eyes haven't changed or you're in good health. This is the same thing with your mental health. You should actually be going in for a yearly check-in to make sure that you're not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're you're serving quite a bit of the population on a scale of one to 10 with one being my business sucks and 10 my business is the bomb diggity i don't know if people even say that anymore but we'll we'll allow it we'll allow it (laughs) (laughs) uh where would you where would you place your business on Um, that scale i would say that everybody else has uh given me a 10 okay yeah, it's grown organically. It's always been word of mouth of I need to come see the doc. She got something that I need. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reason why it's that way is we're authentic. The way that I teach you to counsel 
is to be authentic, be your true self. I'm naturally a humorous person. I'm a loving person. And I might yell at you every once in a while. That's how I counsel. Mm-hmm. And then people know when you're being authentic. They know when you're doing stuff by the book. Okay. Yeah. And you're not going to get anything out of them. If you want to make a black person feel comfortable, be who you are because yeah. you're naturally intuitive anyways. We're going to be like, oh, you mean a fake. You don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was something you said earlier about um, servicing our people. You can't be afraid to go into the hood and then think you're going to service them. And I think that applies for teaching. I think that applies for any service. You know, if you're you're a police officer and you ain't never been around black folks and now you want to police us, you know, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. Yeah. All right. So my question, and I got a couple more. My question is, you have a very successful business now. If you could take it to another level, what would that level look like? How would things be different? See, you be in my head, don't you? Um, (laughs) I actually just signed um, a new lease. Um, I have five more offices, so I'm already expanding. Um, Mm -hmm. I have an idea of going to Texas. I have a location in Colorado right now. Mm Um, when I look at the business expanding, I think it's doing, just finding different locations. Um, I was talking with one of my colleagues and she was like, you know what? Your business plan is the bomb. You should franchise. I said, this is not a Wendy's, but we'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to do more of the research aspect. Um, now, I think in order for the business to be successful, this is not hit me out before you get to judge me. Um, I have to stop being the talent. I need to become the face of the business. Yeah. So that's where I need to do a lot more teaching because my yeah. caseload is over 80 right now. Yeah. So if I can teach, then we can expand. But if I'm too, if I'm seeing clients all day, every day, what well, the business is really not going to grow because yeah. they're trying to see me. Yeah. There's books, trainings, all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to see life coach certifications because truth be told, everybody's not meant to get a master's degree in counseling. But yeah. I do want to develop, actually, I'm in the process of developing a life coach certification where I would teach you the basic counseling skills and then you would still have a caseload. Now, that's tailored to some of my African American men because they're not trying to go to school. They're not trying to go to a master's degree and sit and listen to somebody talk to them about something they really don't care about. It, yeah. Right. But if I can give you, you know, some snippets, you know, on how to help, then I can pass on the caseload, a caseload. So I have five guys right now that are waiting for that certification because they said you can pilot it with us mm-hmm. and we own and pop. Yeah. Oh, man, that's uh, that's so fantastic on so many levels. And so, you know, at Dripping the Black, what, we, what I love about Dripping the Black is bringing people on, let them share their story. But as our audience grows, my my hope is that the audience can assist that person and support that person and wherever they're trying to take their next level to. Mm. So what is something speaking to our audience? What is something tangibly? that our audience can provide and support you with to get you to that next level? Uh, I need somebody that's a social media analyst that would like to come and run the social media aspect. I do believe that eventually 
I mean, we have to be realistic when it comes to businesses. You have to have a marketing strategy. So whether it's an intern or just somebody that wants to donate their services, it's a blessing to me. Um, Send all the referrals to Wings of Virtue, not just Dr. Morgan, please. Wings of Virtue. (laughs) Because my caseload is big. Um, In addition to that, I always have a need for interns. So if you have a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling, and you want to intern, you have to intern to graduate, send them. I'd, I'd rather have more than not enough. My interns, their first week, they have a full case though. Mm. Okay. Uh, anybody that wants to serve, if you have a gift, a, a talent or anything, come on in. I'm pretty sure we can put it to use. Um, for example, one of my interns, she was very anointed with decorating. I'm not called for that. I can build a business. I can see a business. You understand? But I'm not putting up pictures. And I bought a whole bunch of pictures. I was like, man, this is where I wanted to go. Within 20 minutes, she had the whole thing taken care of. Yeah. So I'm looking for servitude. Okay. All right. So drop drop the contact. How, how can people contact you? All right. You can contact me at Dr. Morgan at wingsofvirtue.org. Okay. The abbreviation, not the full word, D-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at wingsofvirtue.org. Is there any social media presence as well? Absolutely. Dr. Cesana Morgan (laughs) on Instagram and on Facebook. You should just come on on the Instagram page because I I really don't do social media. I just told y'all I need a social media analyst, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, or they could call the office at area code 248-327-6099. Yeah. All right. So uh it's so much more there. We might have to have you back on, talk about some other things, but uh, I find your story very interesting. Um, I find you to be a very intriguing person. Um, but we must get to the Last and most important question mm. uh, that we ask each and every guest. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Have you ever been on the cover of a magazine? I have not. Have you ever wanted to be? No. Mm, okay. Well, One of the things we do here for each and every guest as a thank you is that we place them on our magazine cover, whether they desire that or or not. (laughs) Hey, that's those are those people behind you. Absolutely. That's quite a few people that have been uh, (laughs) a part of our show. And there's yours. Hey, oh, I like that. Okay, you can use it. All right. So that is also a parting gift. Uh, we're going to print that out, laminate it, laminate it and mail it out to you at a later date as oh, a thank you. Thanks. And we will place it on our wall back here. This is the Wall of Fame. Um, everybody up there has been a guest on the Dripping in Black podcast, with the exception of the great Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, who we will have on in the future. I'm claiming it. All right. I love that. That is beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, so we will get that out to you uh, at a later date as a great thank you. Any shout outs you want to give before we close this out? Oh, my goodness. I guess everybody at Wings of Virtue and um, my sweet Lauren Hicks, because she's the one that said, you need to go 
Okay, you need to call them and you need to get on dripping it back because I had a good time. I said, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lauren Hicks, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we got her right here. I see you. Yeah, one of our favorites. Yeah, hey, Lauren. <laughs> yep, so we thank uh, Dr. Morgan mm-hmm. <laughs> for coming out. Uh, I'm laughing, audience, because I've uh, asked her about her name pre show and during the show and if i don't continue to say it throughout the show then i start reverting back to what i really wanted to say from the beginning so it's dr come on y'all right you dr. got morgan. it <laughs> it's tizana morgan tizana i was gonna say it wrong i'm glad i didn't say it <laughs> tizana morgan dr tizana morgan we thank you uh we appreciate you we appreciate the work that you're doing and somebody get her some social media and because that thing is about to blow up all over the United States. So Ooh, thanks, again to, thanks again to Dr. Morgan. And we ask our audience to hang on for the final segment of our podcast called, called The Last Drip. But thanks again to Dr. Morgan for joining us. Thank you for having me. Up next, The Last Drip. But first, a message from Anchor. A dripping in black thanks to Dr. Tizana Morgan. We appreciate the work that she's doing and we wish her much success with her future plans. However, we have reached the final segment of our podcast called The Last Drip. The Last Drip is the last opportunity for us to squeeze in a bit more of black excellence for you. In this final segment, we highlight a common thread between our guests and our vast and rich African-American history. For this episode, guided by Dr. Morgan's passion for teaching, as well as her passion for providing supports to the Black community specifically, we focus on the life and impact of Inez Beverly Prosser. Born around 1895 in San Marcos, Texas, Prosser graduated valedictorian of Joachim Colored High School and in 1912 received her teaching certificate from Prairie View Normal College now known as Prairie View A&M University, the famous HBCU. She was also valedictorian there. Prosser began her teaching career while continuing her education. In 1926, she would earn her bachelor's degree from Samuel Houston University. Since her home state of Texas did not award graduate degrees to African-Americans at the time, Prosser enrolled in the University of Colorado to obtain her master's degree there. She would earn that degree in education. It was at college that she began taking courses in psychology. In 1930, she went to work at Tougaloo College in Mississippi, where she would serve as registrar, faculty member, and dean. In 1931, Prosser received a grant to conduct doctoral research in teaching and education. She would take that grant to the University of Cincinnati. In 1933, she earned her doctorate from the University of Cincinnati. She was the first African-American woman to receive a PhD in psychology in the United States. Inez focused on educational psychology and the effects of racism. Her dissertation, her dissertation, the non-academic development of Negro children in mixed and segregated schools was an important work 
in that it explored differences between African-American students at integrated schools and segregated schools. She, like this episode's guest, Dr. Tizana Morgan, argued the significance of Black students being taught by Black teachers and being surrounded by a community that looked like them. This research was later used in debates regarding the landmark Brown versus Board Supreme Court case. Inez Beverly Prosser excelled in the field of education and blazed a trail for others in the fields of psychology and mental health. And that's why she is this episode's last drip. For more on Inez Beverly Prosser, check out goodtherapy.org, psychmuseum.uwgb.org, feministvoices.com, and psychologytoday.com. My thanks to all of these websites for the knowledge. A friendly reminder that the DIBK Drip Shop is open. Go to DIBKDripshop.com and cop the latest Dripping in Black merch, such as the t-shirt that I have on today, different colors, as well as plenty other Dripping in Black merch there for you. Cups, thermos, and a whole lot of other things. So check us out. And as always, a huge thanks to all of our listeners, viewers, supporters, and subscribers. And a big shout out to S Squared, Sean Smith, the best producer in the podcast game. Until next time, be kind, be loving, and be excellent on purpose. It is a choice. You have just experienced a Dripping in Black production. <laughs>